You're listening to In the Isleways, brought to you by Horseworld Connect. I'm your host, Lola Michelin, and each week I'll be talking with some of the top innovators and business owners in the equine industry, because you never know what you're going to learn in the Isleways. Hello, and welcome to In the Isleways from Horseworld Connect. I'm your host, Lola Michelin, and today I am talking with Anna Sahoski from Equilibris. Thank you for joining us today, Anna. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be with you this evening. Thank you. Now, um, Equilibris is your website, and it um, features many of the writing projects that you have been involved with over time, as well as a lot of information about the research and um, work that you do regarding horses, their health, and history. And that will be our um, conversation today will revolve around that. So, But I found it really interesting that you actually came to your writing uh, career later in your overall career. Can you give us a sense for how you discovered your passion for writing and research? Well, I have always been a researcher. I consume information on any level. Um, getting, going back to high school, I was like that. Um, but I realized, like many people, 28 to age 28 to 30, that they feel like they needed a little bit something more in their lives other than the career. Because you're at that sort of tipping point of, where am I going? What am I doing? I don't know what my choices are going to be. And that's when people go to graduate school, which is what right. I did when I was eight. Um, so I was very interested in writing about, at that time, I was write, writing about family history. My father was Ukrainian. My mother was English. I was born in England. And so there was a lot of aftermath from their experiences during World War II and also our decision to come to the United States and then not return to England. So I had to unpeel the onion of the family story, and that's where I started. A lot of research comes into that because it's not just telling the story about a personal family. It is putting the family in the context of a broader 20th century history, which was huge in terms of all the things that have happened during that period of time. So we were an example, a microcosm of that 20th century history. And that's why I had to do a lot of research. And so research came naturally to me. Um, so that's where my writing got, my passion got reignited, put it that way. I see. Horses re-entered the picture for you. <laughs> um, I was living in Minnesota, in Minneapolis. I was a lobbyist for a team of domestic violence shelters. There are about 12 of them, I think, that I was representing at the state capitol and on the federal level as well. And my husband and I, he's a photographer, and we got very worn down by the environment and the um, weather in particular of the Midwest. And we've been in the Midwest. Both of us have been in the Midwest for a long time. And so we decided to move to Santa Fe. And I had my doubts about it because it was so small based upon where I had lived most of my adult life. And so my husband said, 
if we move to Santa Fe, I'll buy you a pony. <laughs> and I said, you the just take the pony card. And that is just so unfair. So we moved out here. Of First course. two years, we were just kind of getting our, getting our own um, feet wet, figuring out jobs, etc. Um, and then I thought, I have to have a horse. I have to get back to that. Um, so we looked for a horse, and it was the wrong purchase. Mm. He had a lot of problems. I ended up retiring him because he became very violent. Oh. And so I retired him on this beauty. It was actually Val Kilmer's oh. acreage, um, which was interesting. Um, and I would go out and visit him, and he was, he was fine. But then at that point, after about a year or so, he attacked the farrier who was just coming to turn his feet. And so I had to make the decision to put him down for the safety. So I returned. I, I, waited, I waited some time, took lessons on lesson horses, uh, schoolmasters. And then I decided I wanted to have that experience because I wanted to have that bond. And so about 12 years ago, I bought, I, we bought um, my Irish sport horse. And that's how I've come back to it. And that's who I've had. Wonderful. So I was partly, I was partly um, bribed. <laughs> I was partly, I wanted to get, the, I wanted to do it myself. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. My husband has also put out there that he would like to retire at some point to Santa Fe, so I will have to maybe try and pull that pony card. <laughs> so I'm glad, glad to have heard that story because maybe I can uh, build on that. <laughs> Although it's he has very no effective. It's very horse. effective. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Uh, yeah. So now the other thing, I really enjoyed reading the stories about your different horses that you featured on your homepage or your website. And for our business members, I, I would encourage uh, you to look at the Equilibris website because it's, it's very professionally done and, and, and also very easy to walk through the different stages of your uh, business and, and your life in, in regards to the horses. So I really enjoyed reading those stories. And I also really love the name. And it, just to me, it has a very powerful and poetic image. And I'm wondering how you arrived at the name Equilibris for your business. Came upon that by accident because I was having a really hard time, as you know, naming websites, naming businesses. It's very difficult. Yeah. Right. And one day I was on my way to the barn to see my horse. And I thought, what are the two most important things that have made an influence in my life? And so I thought, books, obviously, that was a main major issue for me, and horses. How could I combine those two thoughts of my two greatest passage, passage, um, passions, rather, books and horses? So Equi came for the horses, and Libris is technically not a book title. It's the impl um, imprint in a book. It's a little... Um, um, book mar marker this is my book and you put your name in it yeah but it related to books so that's how i came up with it because i was struggling you know i was doing all the brainstorming words and doing connections and i wasn't i wasn't feeling the joy at all and then i thought 
you have to think about the two things or a handful of things that have been the most important to you in your life formatively. Um, and that was easy. The answer was books and horses. So that's yeah. how I came up with it. Ah, I love it. I think uh, it's brilliant. And it does definitely speak to you. you. I think it, it really matches you uh, as a businesswoman, but also it really speak, speaks to the user. It's, it really spoke to me because like you say, Libris is more that um, the mark in the book. And I like to think of that as the mark you're leaving on the horse world or the horses uh, as well. So uh, kudos on, on doing that. Now, in addition That's a great to, way to put it. I had not thought of it that way. I had yeah. not thought about it that way. That's a beautiful way to think about it. Yeah. Um, now, in addition to writing, you've also done some work in um, doing instructions and classes for writers or people who are wanting to pursue writing, and you offer research services. Could you describe your ideal client and how they might utilize your talent? Well, I'm in the process right now of negotiating an agreement with an equine PR firm, media services firm. Mm -hmm. And they are repping um, a particular client, um, which is dealing with equine imaging. And I don't want to say the name of the client just yet because I haven't, sure. I haven't talked to um, them. I haven't finished that out yet. But so what happens is they want this organization wants an article written that highlights one of the things that their client is doing. Mm -hmm. So that's a new experience for me because usually what I do is I come up with article ideas and I pitch them out. But I'm in my past life when I was a lobbyist and then I left politics and was I did um, public relations work, I would talk to a client and figure out what they wanted to accomplish. Did they want to accomplish content for a website? Did they want to accomplish a media presence in their media out, out, um, outlets in their media community? Mm -hmm. And I would put together a project proposal. So I think as I move forward, I would love to see a client who has a project in mind, doesn't know who to hire for something like that is not necessarily have the time or the um, experience writing and describing that project, um, writing the media for that project, doing the publicity for that project. And so then I would work with the similar way I used to work with clients that were politically oriented um, in my old life. I would work for a client like that. You don't have content, you don't have customers. So I think that that is a really important thing for people to realize is that it isn't necessarily necessary for them to create that content or be the ones that are putting out all of that information if they can pull from people like yourself who can offer up that information in a way that can marry with their, um, you know, their marketing campaign. So um that's that's fantastic service i think and their vision and their vision and the vision for the business i mean i got this was when i first came to santa fe which was going on 15 years ago i was hired by the new mexico heart association i think it was they had mm -hmm. to redo their um website mm -hmm. so i wrote all their content for the website now this is a funny story because 
I was a creative writer. Right. So I thought, okay, so you have to be able to get to into the minds of patients who are maybe going to go through a heart procedure. Mm. So I was heavy on metaphor. Get to people to understand, <clears throat> you know, uh, like a bypass or what that means. And so I had all these construction plumbing related <laughs> metaphors for the uh -huh. entire site. There were like 50, there were like fifty procedures or something. So I spent a lot of time creating that. They're medical people. <laughs> they like, didn't get it. <laughs> I'm like, what? And so I had to go back, and I really learned my lesson on two levels. One is, is that I did not have a clear sense of what the kind of writing that business wanted. Right. I tend to think of writers as having a style or a writing style, but they, you know, can be very adaptive if they know what the end user is trying to accomplish. Um, but also probably there's a great opportunity there for the end user to get a creative way of exploring how they're offering that information so that you end up at the end with both. You get the information out there in the form that you want it as the business owner, but you also get creative input of a writer like yourself who, who can kind of see the nuances of that information and maybe make it more valuable to the audience. Because in that case, I do think you're right. Like uh, you need to also message it to the audience. Um, just like, you know, it would be great if we all were coached by an Olympic rider, but if they don't understand what we're trying to do with our horses or we can't relate to what it's like to be on an Olympic team, then, you know, all that talent is lost on uh, somebody who's just wanting information about how to keep their trail horse happy or, you know, compete at a lower level. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to think that you could have that level of, of person available to you. But if you don't have the ability to tell them what you need to accomplish, they're not going to be able to get you to the end so point. You have to, you have to, you have to meet the audience, both the one who is driving the bus or driving the horse and the one who's receiving it. Yeah. And so you've got to meet, you've got to meet the audience. I'll give you another example. Um, this summer, I swore I'd never get into politics again. And then I got pulled in. Two of my <laughs> friends were running for office. We're all in politics now. <laughs> I know. We're just stuck. <laughs> so, um, I wrote their websites. I wrote their um, all their voter contact materials. I vote. I wrote um, their um, questionnaires that they have from places like the Sierra Club. But mm -hmm. I knew these people, and I know them pretty well. One in particular, I've known her over thirty years. Um, but it's really important that the materials had to be in their voice. I couldn't just impose my voice. Mm -hmm. on the materials mm -hmm. i had to write what i wrote had to reflect their voice mm -hmm. and their initiatives and their goals and it's the same thing that you've just been talking about right. so it's an interesting uh, you're kind of skirting the line you're on a, a balanced um beam trying to be a little bit this way a little bit that way trying to make sure that you stay in the middle so you're you're getting both the creative content and the creative spin that you can bring to a client, but also making sure that you're not drowning out their voice. Yes, and I think like 
there are there's so much value to working with somebody who's already familiar with the steps involved in taking content from just the creative stage to actually where it's on a platform or it's in the media or it's in a way that um, consumers can access it. There's a lot of knowledge there of all those steps in between that mm -hmm. like someone like me, if I want to add something for my like I can write curriculum all day long as an educator. That's where I feel really comfortable in writing curriculum and distributing it. But if I'm trying to create a landing page for a new class, um, there's a lot of benefit to me of having somebody who understands, well, what is that? And how do I um, get through all those steps that may not be worth my time and effort to learn all those steps to get a project to fruition mm -hmm. that's going to help support what I'm doing. And that brings me to my next question, which is partly self-serving and partly um, hopefully helpful to our audience. So um, as a frustrated writer myself, what advice would you give to those of us who are sitting with, you know, unfinished manuscripts and stacks of sticky notes with ideas for books that never seem to get written? Okay, when you sent me these questions, I was like, oh, I think we should skip over that question. Because I don't have a very good answer because I have an unfinished manuscript. So, so I don't think well, that we can, we can sympathize. But, okay, okay, having said that, having said that, this this is what I'm doing right now to try and get myself pulled together and finish this manuscript. It's really helpful is having a regular deadline. And so I was producing more edits and more revisions of the unwritten manuscript or the unfinished manuscript when i had that to be a target i had to bring something every morning every monday um to lucinda once that dropped off the um dropped off the calendar i just didn't i oh, i'll do that later oh, i'll do that tomorrow you know i had every excuse in the book so I wasn't. Do so my first piece of advice is have and and not a family member because you know family members will say, oh, I think it's great. Like my husband, I love my husband dearly, but he's always like, oh, I think it's really good writing. I'm like, well, it's not really. Like your mom, your know. mom's not your best critic. <laughs> exactly. Your mom's not your best friend. Um, so a good friend, for example. What I found particularly interesting about meeting with my friend Lucinda is she's an actress and she's been. Um, professional actress she's been in um, a number of things like better call Saul is mm -hmm. one that mm -hmm. here. i've learned more <coughs> excuse me from her being an actress than i did when i was in writers groups in decades ago hmm. and the reason for that is with an actor you have to be you have to draw on everything and it has to come out. You are the center of the story. Your character is the center of the story. And I was avoiding writing about certain things or I would just push myself away from it. And she's taught mm. me how to be in it. Um, so it depends uh, what you're writing. I mean, I'm writing memoir, so it depends what you're writing. And if you would be a fiction writer, I would say be in a fiction group. But um, the other piece of advice I would say is that you have have to follow your own vision for your work. Um, if you get in a writer's group, if you get um, critiqued a lot, it can be helpful 
but it drowns out your voice over time mm-hmm. and you lose your voice and you lose your the kind of tone that you have thing with my friend Lucinda that's so great is she's got a great sense of humor. So she's writing about the plague with a touch of humor. And granted, it's dark humor, but I mean, it, right. it, it strikes you. You go, oh yeah, that's pretty funny, actually. I can't believe I'm laughing at that. I feel bad. But because she gives you permission to do right. it. Otherwise, it would be hard um, to get through the page. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and that's the other thing is that um, I always, you know, some people say you need to write every day, and I think that's probably true, which I don't. Um, but I think you have to be invested in it somehow every day. Does that mean getting your notes together? Does that mean reading over other stuff that you've read? Does that mean um, editing it or revising it? Does that mean I've got this idea on a sticky note, I'm just going to write something about that? And it could be like a paragraph done for the day. You know, I mean, I would say that um, yeah. if that was, and now I have to follow what I've just said because then I'll otherwise be known as kind of <laughs> Well, um, yeah, say, do as I say, not as I do. That's sometimes the way. But uh, I think that's really sage advice. And um, I was given similar advice at a, a workers' um, retreat that I did that, you know, you should write every day. But if you can't write every day, then read something every day. And if you didn't write something or read something, then rewrite something every day. But just, uh, yeah, that habit, the practice of, of being in, with the words, whether, you know, whether you're putting the words on the page or you're reading somebody else's words, um, I think that's really sage advice. Um, and I appreciate that advice. So thank you. Accountability is, is, is great as well. I agree. Having somebody who will put your feet to the fire every once in a while, but also, you know, pat you on the back when you're doing great work. That that can be really motivating. So um, two other things I wanted to ask you today. This year has been, you know, a year, uh, and it has caused so many horse-related businesses to really rethink their plans going forward. How do you think 2020 is showing up in your work? Well, because I write at home, there hasn't been that much difference. Mm-hmm. It's not like I've been on editorial staff, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, how it's showing up in my work is that I'm reaching out more online, like on LinkedIn. And that's how you and I connected. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm doing more Zoom calls with other potential writers. Um, I am thinking about how I can not only do what I do normally, which is pitch editors, and it's a small amount of um, money over time. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about e-commerce and what I could bring Mm -hmm. to the equine world through e-commerce. So one of the things we were talking earlier about how I taught these classes or facilitated classes on the horses in myth and then horse in memoir and fiction. Mm -hmm. I'm actually thinking about, um, instead of doing an online Zoom course, doing a download um, workbook 
um, for somebody who wants to write a memoir about their lives with horses. And so there are prompts and there are um, directions. And then what I would do is you'd have the workbook, but then you'd also have time to submit work to me and I would be able to help you through that work, give you feedback about the work, and also um, maybe do a call on Zoom or a call on Skype, that sort of thing. That's in the very nascent stages. I haven't really thought much beyond that. But I've been thinking about doing classes, these classes by Zoom was not a particularly positive experience for me. So I don't necessarily want to have a big class of faces looking at me that I've never met. I want to have a relationship with people. So that's why I was thinking if I want to do something on how to write a horse memoir, you would have Mm -hmm. um, an e-commerce link on my site and you download the workbook and then we, and, and I designed sort of a course over time this is what you're going to learn this is this is what you are committing to so it's <coughs> so covid has not only changed what my priority is to be able to facilitate and have connections with people but it's changed the way i think i could potentially do it yeah that that is something I am really going to look forward to. And I'm also probably going to press you on because I think that would be a tremendous experience for many, many people. Uh, even if it's a short, you know, short history of their experience with horses or, or something a little more um, robust. So my last question right. is a question I ask of all my interviewees and um, mm-hmm. just kind of, want the first thing that comes to your your mind what is your favorite thing about horses their personalities personalities that's great (laughs) yeah their personalities i mean my horse has such a personality um he's an allergic horse he's got respiratory allergies so i have to give him immunotherapy shots every week um but what does he do? He goes out in the field and he eats the thing that he's most allergic to. Of course. Why are you doing And there are little things. And the way they, they, they entertain themselves. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing my horse does, which I think is just so indicative of his personality, if I leave stuff on the, on the um, bench or the tack trunk outside of the stall, I can go in the barn. And I can come out and everything will be on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> and he will have knocked it over because he's bored. I'm not there and he knocked it over. Um, and I call it his gravity experiments. Oh, you're doing gravity experiments. Yes, gravity. yes gravity's still in place. Yes. No, 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 I pick all this stuff up now. But I think, I think it's really uh, their personality. But... I mean, you've got some horses who are very stoic. Mm-hmm. You've got, um, like, there's a horse barn i call him the class clown because he's just always messing about in the field or in a stall (laughs) um you know and i think the thing that attracts me the most about them is that they are individual personalities and i think we miss that i think we miss it 
That's great. And how much richer our lives are when we do give them the space and, and opportunity to express their personalities. Um, great answer. Um, Anna, how can people connect with you? Um, there are two ways con to connect with me. You can email me at asochoc.com at equaequi-libris.com or you can go on my website, equalibris.com. And I would encourage people to join. I, I'm sort of getting this off the ground. Um, I have a blog that I've started. It's called Knicker Notes. Mm -hmm. Knickers. And, um, and I would love for people to join that. Anna, thank you so much for taking the time to, to spend with me today. And thank you so sure. much for reaching out. Thank you so much for reaching out. I, and, you know, what's interesting about this COVID world that we're in, and I think we're going to be in it for another year or two. Mm -hmm. um, it's really forcing us to be innovative about how we connect. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's like you said earlier, it's not as good as the social interaction, but um, at least we're not all sitting in our houses eating chocolate, although that's not bad. Um, and not, <laughs> Maybe you're not. <laughs> it, not entirely a bad thing. <laughs> no, not um, at all. But it, forces, it, it, it really encourages us to take a risk yeah. and to connect with people that we don't know online. And I think that's possible. Well, thank you for taking that so risk thank you and connecting today. And thank you for listening to In the Iowa's with Lola Michelin. I hope you'll take time to visit Horse World Connect at horseworldconnect.com or our Facebook page for more ways to connect. And we'll see you in the aisleways.